found it. This is the Tidbits Podcast with Dale Lau and Matthew Paul. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. It's a Monday, the eighth day of August. And here we are, ready for another week of Tidbits. Good morning, Matt. Yes, good morning, Dale. This is back to school week for many schools. Mm -hmm. Doesn't look like anybody starts fresh on the Monday. No. Looks like several start on uh, Tuesday and then from there. So Mm -hmm. why not put a full weekend to start? I say just go, go. Experience the real world, youngsters. That's right. Oh, there will be no spring break. There will be no Christmas break for you. <laughs> You'll study through the holiday like we work. That's right. You'll wake up Christmas morning and get back at it the next day. Well, that's the way it should be. <laughs> that way you can be miserable and jaded at a much younger age. Like we have been in broadcasting. Here's a... <laughs> Here's a guy that stole an excavator from a construction site in Salt Lake City. Drove it about a mile. Caused significant damage by randomly digging up the ground. Gosh. It was used to dig out parts of a sidewalk parking lot in grass, causing a ruptured water main and destroying a Google fiber optic cable that was recently installed. Police said the excavator was left running at a job site, and for an unknown reason, the guy drove it about a mile, including under the freeway, and started using it. Fortunately, there were no injuries. Hmm. No crashes occurred while the excavator was being illegally operated. (laughs) There was, however, significant damage to property. The man was booked for investigation of theft and criminal mischief. If you take that, you got to use it. <laughs> well, you know? Yeah, you got to try it out. <laughs> you know, when I drive past construction sites, yeah. much like the several we have around town right now, yeah. I wonder, I, I ask myself, self, how hard would it be to steal one of these giant machines that just sit overnight? How hard would it be? Apparently, it's not that hard. <laughs> well, this one was left running. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Mm, I missed yeah. that part. So Okay. They were evidently in use of using it, and um, gotcha. somebody was away from it, and he just decided to take it. <laughs> okay. Now, hopefully, you would think at night, when they stop for the day, they take their keys. Right. You would certainly hope. You, you would hope yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I'd be scared to even try it. <sighs> Here's uh, three college students in Naples, Naples, Florida captured a 17-foot-long Burmese along US-41 in remote Collier County. That comes just in time for the start of the Python Challenge. (laughs) A statewide effort to eradicate the uh, invasive snake from the Florida Everglades. In a chaotic scene captured on video, Jake Willary and his two friends are seen wrangling this 17-foot-long snake. Turns out they found one of the largest pythons ever caught by amateurs just two days before the start of the python challenge. Unlike trappers contracted through FWC or the South Florida Water Management District, Jake and his buddies were paid to catch it. 
They didn't. They weren't paid. They did it for fun. <laughs> Let's get out. Dude. We're out of college this weekend. <laughs> On Friday morning, Florida kicked off their Python Challenge, which offers cash to pros and amateurs alike to remove snakes from the Florida public lands. A massive snake of the size when removed from Florida's environment gives other native animals a fighting chance. Hmm. <laughs> They're just... They just keep catching them, though, man. I mean, like, they just keep catching these things. <laughs> you know, you just know. Ugh. There has to be something out there, 18, perhaps oh, 19 feet. Yeah, yeah. And maybe longer. We've had several caught at 17 <sighs> and right. some inches. right. I don't know what that would pay. I want to know at what point do you go from being an amateur snake person to a pro? Like, <laughs> if you're a pro, do you just do it for a living? <laughs> do you have sponsors? Yeah. <laughs> do you have a you shirt? Wear patches. <laughs> With a bunch of patches. On it. <laughs> Jake Snake Farm. Snake Farm sponsoring me. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's like the pros on, on their boats. They got patches. Right. <laughs> Here's uh, three South Florida men accused of stealing $1.3 million in seafood by pretending they were a buyer <laughs> for a supermarket. <laughs> you just dress up, grab a clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, we're here from Kroger. <laughs> uh, we want to buy some seafood. <laughs> Accused of carrying out a scheme in which the fake buyer, using the name Brian Gomez, <laughs> placed seafood orders supposedly on behalf of a supermarket and picked them up at a warehouse. But the seafood supplier got suspicious after contacting the supermarket in question and being told no one by that name worked there. Authorities ultimately used surveillance to catch the guys. They faced seven counts of grand theft cargo of over $50,000. Wow. And seven counts of obtaining property over $5,000. Almost got away with it. <laughs> and then what would you do with it? Would you then send your men on the street? <laughs> Their little vans. Hey, you got some crab legs. <laughs> has, anybody, has anybody seen the... Uh, the meat truck, the little meat truck that drives around and sometimes has meat for sale. Have you seen that lately? I haven't. Not lately, no. no. Times must be hard for them, too. Must be. Hey, want to buy some meat? It's just <laughs> right off the bat, you know? Don't your suspicions rise? Well, it's like, what's this guy do? Especially when they're, like, in your driveway. And they're up. Hey, y'all need any meat? <laughs> no, we're good. <laughs> they always have great prices. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. It's just about 6.30. We'll, we've got uh, some messages, and we'll be back with more Tidbits. This is Tidbits. Well, we're back with Tidbits on this Monday. Out there, Matt. I just checked. Okay. Just to keep us up to date. Thank you, Neil. Here's a freezer that washed up on a Massachusetts beach that was filled with ice cream. <laughs> what a discovery. What? <laughs> the beach wasn't crowded, 
But a group of about a half a dozen gathered around the freezer to peek at their discovery. So I'd be worried you're going to find a body. You know, I just... <laughs> Open it up. No way. You do it. No, you do it. <laughs> One woman says they weren't sure what it was at first, but were hoping they weren't going to find a body. Okay, there you go. Upon opening, the group encountered a cooler filled with various ice cream products. Beachgoers remain unsure where it came from or how it made its way to the Nantucket shore. I presume it had melted. Presuming. I don't know. If not, hey, let's go. <laughs> ice cream party at the beach. <laughs> it had to have fallen off some kind of boat, right? I mean, some, sort, you of, think? some you... sort of leisurely excursion. <laughs> oh. There goes the ice chest. <laughs> I'm sure that happens all the time. Something just falls off a boat. <laughs> this uh, guy wearing nothing but his underwear in a Boston station causing some commotion. Mm. He was at the train station. Transit police received a report at 7.30 a.m. of a naked man <laughs> at the entrance to the Orange Line at State Street Station who was causing alarm among other passengers. Alarm. <laughs> He's causing alarm. When, when they arrived, police yeah. found the guy later identified as Vashon Roberts of Boston, wearing just his underwear. Officers approached Roberts and asked if he was okay. <laughs> he responded by asking if everything was okay with the officers and initially gave them a false name. <laughs> hey, buddy, you okay? <laughs> He was. He pointed out that he was not naked and had his underwear on. The officers acknowledged that fact and attempted to see if Roberts wanted any service or any other way they could assist him. He denied any offer of assistance. Subsequently, transit police said they learned there were several outstanding warrants for Roberts' arrest on charges including assault and battery with a dangerous weapon, uttering false checks, I don't know what that what? is. And violation of domestic abuse protection order. <laughs> he was taken into custody, taken to MBTA Transit Police Headquarters for booking. I wonder if they ever booked that lady we were watching getting irate. Oh, that was so funny. That her head was trapped in the subway door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? No, I'm not all right. <laughs> It was nearly killed. <laughs> um, here's a Montana couple. They're in the market for a new car after a bear entered their vehicle and ended up spending the night when the door closed behind it. Their car alarm went off while the vehicle was parked outside their Red Lodge home after they noticed a mother bear had entered the vehicle while her cubs watched. They called the sheriff's department, who put the couple in contact with Montana Fish and Wildlife Parks personnel. They said they were told someone would come to the house in the in the morning. We'll be there in the <laughs> yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> and they got overtime, and it's yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> they had not yet realized the bear was closed inside the vehicle. The husband only realized in the morning that the door had closed behind the bear trapping it inside the vehicle for nearly eight hours. Oh, no. He decided not to wait for the FWP officials and used a stick <laughs> to open the car door from a safe distance. <laughs> now, what's a safe distance when it comes to a bear? Right. right. 
They said the car is completely trashed. Well, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Oh, my. Does your insurance cover that, or would you? I would hope so. <laughs> or would they give you that? Well. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All I just can't <laughs> with a stick. Now, this says, Matthew, look for all these years that you uh, were up all night. Researchers say the human brain's not meant to be awake after midnight. <laughs> Moreover, they say staying up late only leads to more impulsive behavior and high-risk decisions like drinking, overeating, gambling, or criminal, criminal activity. Specifically, researchers suspect that staying awake during the biological circadian night, the middle of the night for most, causes changes in your gourd and causes people to view the world more negatively than they do during the daytime. The basic idea is that from a high-level global evolutionary standpoint, <laughs> your internal biological circadian clock is turned towards processes that promotes sleep, not wakefulness after midnight. So you're you're a bad person if you're up after midnight. Bad, bad. <laughs> Go to bad. I remember I was uh, when I was a teenager. You know, you stay up at all hours yeah. as a teen. And I remember my parents have um, we used to have a basketball goal in the driveway, and I would I would stay up forever playing playing basketball. You could have been doing something worse, that's for sure. And I can't imagine if the neighbors, because I mean, my, my parents are around the country, but they have neighbors that are somewhat close. Right. That if their house, if their bedroom was on that end of the house, they had hated me. I mean, one, two o'clock in the morning. Doof, 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 doof. <laughs> Did your parents not hear it? No, because their bedroom was okay. on the other side right, of the house, so, so they didn't. So you could play all night. Yeah, and I eventually took my guitar out into the garage. <laughs> did you crank that up? Oh, yeah, of course I did. <laughs> all this after midnight. Oh, after midnight, yes. you, you should have been asleep. Yeah. <laughs> it is probably good that I did not have a uh, a credit card when I was a teenager <laughs> watching, you know, infomercials yeah. that were on in the wee hours. I would have had all sorts of crap, man. I loved, loved watching infomercials back in the day. They were great. Up all night. <laughs> That's what your children are doing. <laughs> Shooting hoops, playing guitar, watching infomercials. <laughs> oh, those bad kids. <laughs> Here's a survey of 1,000 Gen Z. Those are adults typically born between 97 and 2012. And 1,000 Millennial. They were born between 81 and 96. Or car owners or lessees reveals that nearly six in ten are not sure whether they want to continue driving or replace their current vehicle. People stop driving their car and get a new one when the upkeep surpasses their budget. There are too many strange sounds or smells, <laughs> too many parts have to be replaced, or too much of it's being held together by tape. Hmm. It finds it takes an average of eight. Eight warning lights <laughs> for people to schedule vehicle maintenance. Uh, eight. Eight. Seventy-nine percent do their own research about what their vehicle needs before seeing the mechanic. Another 66 percent will lock things up after their visit and return with a better sense of what their vehicle needs. 
how do you just let it go? Well, that's all right. <laughs> just it just shows the little engine. It's okay. <laughs> well, see, that's also part of the problem is that your check engine light comes on, but it's some sort of minor sensor that you you can run for years with this thing out. At least you believe it. I had a car that it was <laughs> like right after I bought it, check engine light comes on, oh, and no. the guy he's like, "Yeah, some kind of sensor." He's like, "I wouldn't worry about it." So I never got it fixed. I drove it the entire time that was on, which is part of the landscape of the dashboard. <laughs> Cover it with black tape. Just gone. And, and at one point, I have a, I have a friend who same thing. He's like, at this point, it'd be more money for you to to get it fixed. He's like, the best thing I can do for you is just uh, put a piece of black tape over it. <laughs> so he did. <laughs> That's fixed. <laughs> Six and ten. Now regret buying a car before inflation began in 2021. The loss of purchasing power, along with raising, rising gas prices, have led 42% to seek a better-paying job or a side gig to help pay for vehicle upkeep. Another 40% turned to do-it-yourself solutions for some of their vehicle maintenance. 27% tend to disregard and continue driving with broken speakers or radio, <laughs> 26% ignoring dull wipers, excessive emissions, low tire pressure light, oil change or scratches on their vehicle's body or windshield. Nearly Dull wipers. <laughs> <laughs> nearly two-thirds say they're okay with their car not being up to par as long as it passes a state license safety test. At least we don't have those anymore in this state. Right. On average, it takes five breakdowns <laughs> for Gen Zers and Millennials to buy a new one. 69% are currently considering getting a new vehicle, but 23% of those respondents are not looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. Well, right now would be uh, a bad time for them to do it. Yeah. Because, you know, car prices are, are high. Still can't get those lousy computer chips. Although Congress finally passed us, able to make them ourselves mm. after two years. They finally got that passed. <laughs> All right, now let's take our time on this. That and should think have been it. done within like a matter of hours, right? Like, Now let's really think this over. We fella. can get everybody together and say, hey, we need these chips. Everybody agree? Because <laughs> they want to tie a bunch of other bills so to is it. That what I, you have someone goes, well, <laughs> I'll tell you what here, Dale. We'll pass your bill, but... <laughs> That's what it is. Two years it took. And now, how? I don't know. From here, how long it'll be before you ever start a process. <laughs> we got to do something. China's even more mad at us for Nancy Pelosi going right. to Taiwan. Right. <laughs> so we won't probably be getting any computer chips. This... Uh, says that humans really can tell their dog's mood from his or her facial expression. <laughs> a study found slight changes from wide eyes to a lolling tongue can help to detect six different emotions in a dog. 105 people were shown pictures of three different breeds. They correctly <laughs> identified feelings of happiness, sadness, curiosity, fear, disgust, and anger in the animals. Researchers recruited a Doberman, <laughs> a Belgian Shepherd called a uh, 
melanoy, and a floppy-eared Rhodesian Ridgeback. <laughs> okay. The easiest emotion to spot appears to be anger, which was correctly identified in almost 78% of the cases. <laughs> I think he looks kind of mad. <laughs> I just, I don't know. You really think you can, just because their tail's wagging doesn't mean they're happy either. You know, it's. Many a dog that's probably a bitter person had a wagging tail. I'm sure. <laughs> I just feel like dogs are dogs. You know what I mean? They just, they just, they just are. They're just dogs. <laughs> Always someone in a bad mood today. <laughs> Someone's not very happy, is he? No. <laughs> well, you get bit. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Some tidbits. On a Monday, Matthew, have a good day. I gotta go. All right, see you later. This has been Tidbits with Dale Lau and Matthew Paul. We appreciate you listening, and we ask that you consider subscribing, leave a comment, leave a like, and thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you again next time on Tidbits.